Welcome to another American Scouser podcast. Uh, we have the same trio that previewed the game against Arsenal. So with me today is Jamie, the other Irish guy in the group. Jamie, how's it going? Not too bad today. And Mateusz, what's going on, sir? Not too much doing well myself. Now, you guys are full of energy today. It must be that game against Arsenal. So we talked about it last week, and we kind of, you know, uh, cared a little bit, but not so much and stuff like that. So uh, now that it's all kind of over with, and hopefully the initial, like the knee-jerk reaction of some fans are kind of like out of the way. Uh, Mateusz, we'll start with you. What was your take when you turned off the TV, which I did after the penalties ended? Uh what did you think? Like, what was your take from the game? We really miss Hendo. Really, really miss Hendo. I know that was evident towards the end of the last season, but it's just, it's really interesting to see how, how kind of boring the midfield is without Hendo in there. And I, it, it didn't help to have Nico getting exposed by Aubameyang over on that right side. I mean, it's, it's really tough for him to just be thrown into that, to go up against one of the quickest, one of the best wingers in the game. So. Uh, all in all, I mean, I think it wasn't, you know, we shouldn't be crying for, for help, you know, and sinking or calling for, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, or no heads are going to roll basically. Yes. Yeah. Based off of this, because I mean, Arsenal, they, they played pretty well and they were without Pepe and Lacazette too. So it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, it is. Now I'm going to say it's a glorified friendly because <laughs> because they didn't win. It goes but, 16 or whatever the hell the number was. Yeah, <laughs> until until next year, until next year. But yeah, I think just missing Hendo and missing Trent, um, definitely you can notice it on the field right away. Jamie, what would you think? I, I love what Matusha is. He's towing the company line there. You know, it, it, you know it's a friendly, um, especially when you lose it. It's a friendly. If you win it, you can – you know, indulge yourself for a day, but um, no. Um, when the when the whistle went and and the boys are are putting their arm around Brewster, you know, I, I felt for the lad, but I also thought it's going to be a great opportunity for him to learn from those experiences. Like that's a a do or die experience. Obviously, you score, you're the you're a hero. You miss, everybody's talking about you, and it it was evident that. Uh, Big Virgil put his arm around him and, and Curtis Jones give him a wee, wee peck on the cheek there because um, I do feel for him, but I think it will galvanize him just similar to our losses, you know, have done to us, Sevilla, and we, we won't mention the rest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it will do him well. I thought it was like a curious decision. I mean, even Klopp kind of admitted it was it kind of like backfired, I guess. I thought it was kind of odd to sub him in when we did. I mean, it almost looked like we are subbing him for the penalties for starters. And I put him, you know, put a kid under that kind of a pressure and paradigm. And I know, I mean, I, obviously Klopp knows these guys a lot better than we do in terms of what they can handle mentally. Um, I just, you know... Uh, it, Age-wise, experience-wise, let's just hope it's something like you're saying that he learns from as opposed to we don't look back on this three years from now and say, man, he hasn't been the same since. Because he's had a great preseason before then. I mean, he had a good spell with Swansea. And I really feel like, and, you know, I was reading today that the word is that he will be 
with the team at least till January to see like what's going to happen. Um, so I really think it's like a player that can bring something extra. It could be that key factor this year, but yeah, like I say, like you were saying, like, hopefully it'll be a learning experience for him. I mean, going back to what Matej was talking about, about that midfield, it's just when, I don't know, it's a terrible combination uh, of a trio. I mean, we've talked, you know, like last year, people would complain, uh, even the year before. I mean, I, th I think since we kind of started this midfield with, uh, you know, like Genie and Wijnaldum, I mean, and Genie, Hando, uh, Milner used to be it, and then obviously Fab is there now. And I think it gets more exposed when Hando is not there because he's the only one, to me, that moves the ball a lot faster. And especially when you're playing against a team like Arsenal was where they were just freaking sitting back. It's kind of like that ball, the ball has to move a lot faster from one side to the other to make that defense shift. But when it's Genie and Fab and Milner in there, it literally was taking like five, six passes by the time like the ball swings over. Well, that's a lot easier for a defense to like recover. I thought, you know, if I mean, obviously we knew Handel was not going to be there, but I was kind of shocked not to see Nabi out there. Uh, I thought he would be starting because you need somebody like that who's going to move the ball a lot faster, who's going to kind of like hold the attention of the defense and stuff like that. But yeah, it was kind of hard uh, initially, kind of hard to watch. Uh, but I mean, it is yeah like a preseason friendly in some ways and not a lot of weight to it. I mean, the games that matter are going to be in two weeks. So Let's talk about a couple of other things that have been like coming up uh, in the conversation. So let's start with that, go back to that midfield and Genie. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about Genie perhaps going to Barcelona. Uh, I mean, it's that time of year where 10 sources say 10 different things. Um, so I'm going to, I'm sure every listener has heard uh, at least nine out of those 10 rumors or the version. So no point in recapping them, but let me ask you guys this, because I've seen this and I think it's an interesting conversation. If they come across right now to you, if I gave you the option of trading Genie for Thiago, are you taking that offer or not, Jamie? Well, considering the prices I'm hearing today, I'd, I'd take a straight up trade because they're offering 15 for Genie is what I've heard, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure we signed him for 30. Um, Sterling, I'm talking about. Um, so, I don't know. A, a straight swap, it's, it's a risk, isn't it? We, we know what type of player Genie is. I haven't given much credence to um, Thiago's career, really. I mean... I'm a Liverpool fan. Why would I be watching Bayern games? But, uh, you know, on, on people with more time in their hands than me must watch all the leagues. I'm sure they do. But um, we know what Genie does. I, I, it's going to be a sad day to see him go for me. But you are taking the deal just based on money alone? Yeah, just, okay. just because of, of the... Tiago is apparently double the price now. So double the price not necessarily means double the player. But in in the business world that Liverpool are living in right now, I guess it makes sense. Mateusz, are you taking a deal if it's a straight swap? You we give up Genie, we get Tiago? If it's a straight swap, then yes, like Jamie's talking about. I I don't know if double the price is necessarily worth it. Um, I think Tiago is a better player than Genie. I, 
I think he's a better, well-rounded midfielder. I just think that there's a personal level of connection with Genie that I think every fan shares. I think that's that's kind of what makes him even better in our eyes is just having the moments that he's had with us. And I think it's just a matter of, um, like Jamie was saying, just we know what to expect. You bring in someone new, someone who has had some problems with, with injuries in the past, um, you know, for, for potentially double the price, you're going into this risk and you're thinking that maybe we shouldn't have given him up. But at the same time, if, if there are problems in, in the squad, if, if he feels like he's not playing enough or if he's not respected enough or if he's not getting the, the exposure that he thinks he deserves to be getting, then that can seep into the locker room and then that could also create problems for, the, for his teammates. So I think we, don't, we won't ever know kind of what goes on in there, but if there's some sort of feelings of, uh, of not, non-respect that Genie's getting, then a move for him might be better for him and the team. If you know what I mean, I think that's the way I say it. If if that's really what it's coming down to is that he feels that he's not being respected or not getting what he deserves, then then a move would help the both of both of Liverpool and Genie. A few other things as well. Like if he if he obviously he's got a link with Coleman, the Dutch link, and you know they're he's a very well respected player in Europe. And you know, if he if he wants this move, then you know, by all means, we shouldn't really stand in his way. He's been a, a great player for us, and and like Matush said, those moments that we'll never forget, like the the header, the Stevie G esque header, you know, like so. Fair play to him. I mean, he'll always be remembered well. I mean, I remember we recorded a pod, maybe. Jeez, I want to almost say like two, three months ago with uh, the Irish Chris. And I remember when he asked me then, like who, you know, we were talking about that, like, who we thought would be the first one to leave out of this team, be- be the success they've had and the, the, you know, like how well they play together and stuff. And I remember I said Genie then only because I've always gotten the sense that Genie wants to play the way he plays for the Dutch national team. And, that's just like an assumption on my point. And it's not like, you know, I hang out with Genie and he's told me, but, uh, and, but at the time, you know, we were like, but where would he go? And we kind of like talked about that with Chris and we really couldn't like pinpoint a specific place. We were like, Hey, you know, it would be more in the advanced role with his age. It would be like one last good payday, uh, you know, like a big contract and stuff like that. But obviously with what happened in Barcelona and stuff now, it's almost like, it almost makes sense for it to happen in terms of, you know, assuming he wants that role and he will be playing that role. Uh, and honestly, it's probably good business for Barcelona because, I mean, it's the same boat that Bayern is in with Thiago. Uh, they're basically know that we want to get something for it. And that's why, you know, 15 seems low, but it's better than zero come time. So let me ask you guys this, your guys' gut feeling and obviously, this will probably go on for, I mean, with the national games and stuff, I don't know. It'll, I would think it would be like next week before something actually happens. But uh, your gut feeling, is Genie going to be there with us this season or is he gone? Mateusz. Here or gone? I think, I think he will be gone just, just because you at least want to get something from him if he's not going to renew his contract 
it's better to just at least get whatever you can for him rather than letting him walk at the end of the season. Um, so I, I think, unfortunately, he will be gone by October 1st. Jamie, your guess, which is yeah. pretty much what it is at this point. but The longer this contract talk has, has went on, it, it's, it's becoming, becoming my fear. So, yeah, I, it, all this smoke and no fire, it's, it's got to be, you know. It's got to go, I think, I'd say, unfortunately. I almost feel like it's going to happen if, you know, something like Diago or somebody else is going to come in in this place. If we're not able to work out the other side of the deal, I almost feel like we do uh, similar to what happened with Coutinho and he at least stays till January. And then we still get something for him. Uh, we, you know, Klopp gives him the same speech that he gave Phil at the time and say, hey, you know, the season is almost starting. We're not going to be able to replace you. Stick around till January, which is pretty much what we did with Phil, uh, except his back started hurting. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that would be the only difference. But, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's hope so. Uh, I mean, I love Jeannie. I do agree with Mateusz that Thiago overall is a better player. I mean, if we had him in midfield, for example, in this Arsenal game, if you just like that swap, uh, I think he would bring something in terms of what we're talking about, the ball moving a lot faster and stuff like that. But at the same time, you are moving probably your most reliable player out of your midfield. I mean, he's played a ton of minutes, uh, has a great, like, you know, no injuries uh, out of that midfield. I mean, it's a crowded midfield. We do have a lot of players there that we can rotate. But when you look in terms of health, He's probably the only one I can think of that has not had an injury. Uh, Milner had a slight knock even. I mean, Hando, we know. Keita, unfortunately, we know. Uh, before it was Lalana. I mean, you kind of like go through Fab at a period he was out. So, But I really cannot recall when Genie was out because he was injured. Yeah, right? that's so, I, mean, that's strike, the, yeah. I think that's like the biggest thing we'll be, end up losing. But I'm um, sure... Like I say, with the national games, which I don't know. Did you guys watch any of the games today? I watched uh, Spain and Germany. And I don't Did you watch it? I no. had the joy of watching uh, Turkey take on Hungary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I, a few I, of the highlights. I don't know. It's just like weird even watching that because you can almost tell nobody's taking it seriously for the most part. <laughs> uh, I mean, even... Even the coaches, the lineups, it is treated as a friendly. And I know they kind of put like a carrot at the end. So there is something to win or whatever. But at the end of the day, really, they're kind of like it's friendlies. But, you know, it's a bit more official in a tournament format kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I feel like, though, watching Germany and Spain, they they put out both very strong lineups and they were both attacking. It was just there wasn't much finishing on either end. Um, but it was an enjoyable game to watch. It was nice to actually watch Tiago, even though it was in, in a setting that he's not necessarily familiar with that he hasn't played in the last almost year. It's nice to see him actually live. And, um, and I, th- the most exciting thing for me tomorrow is just getting a glimpse of Poland because Poland plays Netherlands tomorrow. So I'll get to watch, you know, Jeannie and Van Dyke tomorrow um, absolutely destroy the motherland. So <laughs> it's going to be great. Because I think, I think Lewandowski is still taking a little hiatus from the end Lewandowski. of the season. 
Yeah, he deserves it. He was robbed of the Ballon d'Or. Oh, I will absolutely. say that now. I will take that to my grave. Have you heard the story? <laughs> Have you heard the story about Levin, Lewandowski? That uh, for for the past couple of years he's been sleeping on his left hand side, so he doesn't dead weight his right leg, his, right his, leg. his preferred shooting <laughs> leg. He's got all sorts of weird. Look into it. Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely serious. He's he's a very superstitious guy. He's been that way since his early days in Poland. Absolute legend, though. Um, yeah. Ireland got a 94th minute equalizing header against Bulgaria today. But uh, nice. seeing some highlights of the Faroe Islands game, do yourself a favor and watch those because there's a free kick in there that is probably still curling into the top corner. <laughs> Uh, I'll be honest, uh, watch the goal that uh, Hungary scored on Turkey. It was ridiculous. I really? Mean, the free kick was ridiculous. Not that you mentioned the free kick, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, these games seem so misplaced right before the season, especially after the weird summer that these guys had and stuff like that. I mean, it probably couldn't be timed worse. Yeah, because uh, you would think if they're going to suspend the Euro then why even have an international sort of competition? Why not do the Euro like it was supposed to be anyway, where, it, where something would have mattered? Whereas now you're kind of just throwing guys back into 90 minutes that have just played two weeks ago. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough, brutal schedule right now. Yeah, that's why, I don't know, it's like part of me, it's kind of like more like club over country lately uh, with this stuff where I just don't want these guys getting hurt and just be able to come back and really don't care. I don't really care about their performance overall, to be honest with you. Just freaking stay healthy and get back so we can get the season started right. So uh, so a couple of other like quick things to touch up on. Uh, we were talking earlier, Jamie, uh, you were talking about all the – the game times being like rearranged. So what do we have on that now? Yeah, I seen it on um, on the official website today, and so it says three fixture changes for Liverpool in September. Uh, obviously, the champions, champions, champions. <laughs> um, the champions uh, kick off their new season with a kickoff at 5.30 p.m. local time against Leeds on September 12th. Um, 4.30 p.m. on Sunday, September 20th against Chelsea. And um, 8 p.m. local time uh, on September 28th against Arsenal. So plan accordingly. (laughs) Pretty tough fixtures to start with, actually. But I'm almost glad, especially the Chelsea game, uh, I'm kind of glad we're kind of, Getting that out of the way before they even get a chance to gel because, I mean, they did spend a ton of money and brought some people in. Uh, we don't know if it's going to work because it just doesn't, you know, happen by buying people and spending money. But, shit, if it is going to work, uh, it's not going to work right away. So, it's good to kind of get that game, especially the away fixture, out of the way, like, early in the season. So, um but pretty, I mean, when you look at it, I guess it's the Premier League. There's no really like easy fixtures, uh, especially the beginning of the season, because you don't know how everybody is going to turn out. I just hate this October 5th deadline thing, because I think we're just going to hear nothing. But I mean, God forbid we have a bad score somewhere in the first couple of weeks, because having seen what I've seen online, 
after that game. That's why, you know, when something like that happens, I try to take a day off of social media at least half a day so I don't read the stupidity and uh, the instant, you know, like, you know, the knee-jerk reaction stuff. But um, I, what is your take on that, uh, Mateusz? Like the whole, uh, the transfer deadline ending, what is that? It's going to be almost, what, two, three weeks into the season? Right, right. Uh, it's just, like you said, it's just going to create more time for people to to complain about whatever they want to complain. And I think it, at a certain point, I think even though it's only been two, necess- I mean, necessarily one, one really um, incredible season, two would have been had they eclipsed Man City the year before. But I feel like our fans forgot that you can lose. You know, like you can't expect a team – to go undefeated every single season. I get, you can be upset after a loss, but you know, it, if for you to expect to, to average 34, 33 wins a season, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. We're, we've been so, so spoiled that we forget that, you know, Man United would win titles on 70 ish points. Like it's just, you know, it, you have to kind of reel it back and realize that, yeah, sometimes players won't perform that well. And sometimes they'll drop some points, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And I think it's just, by giving by extending this transfer deadline and seeing those those three fixtures first it'll just offer more time for for fans to kind of you know hit the hit the escape button and whatnot yeah i kind of blame city for that right i mean even i mean obviously setting the bar high and then i know you know where we missed it by a point where you would have freaking wanted every other goddamn year yeah. And then I remember when this last season started, it almost got that thing where, like, we cannot lose a point. If we're going to win this thing, we got to win every freaking game. And, heck, they freaking did it. But uh, for the most part, especially in the yeah. beginning. But, yeah. I mean, that was almost like the feeling. Normally, I don't know, like you're talking about, like, United, like, go back freaking five years even. You kind of, like, you know, kept an eye on everybody because you were like, hey, everybody's going to lose points. But the last two, three years, the way City and Liverpool have kind of like performed, it almost creates that thing where, holy shit, we can't lose a point because the other guys will never lose a point kind of thing. So the bar is that really high. But I just feel like it's constant, this knee-jerk reaction, the moment something goes south. And I realize people look at all these other teams spending money, but I don't think they're understanding, you know, oh, what does all the money go to and stuff like that. I mean, you still got to pay the wages uh, and we have the best team in the Premier League, obviously, by far last year, right? Based on performance and in Europe, one of the top teams in Europe, uh, the world champions from the year before. So it's, you know, these people got to get paid and that's where the wages go. And I understand the concern of, oh, look at all these guys getting like shiny new toys, but they're trying to play freaking catch up. And they're replacing a bunch of people that they do not have to pay the wages that we have to because they're some of the best in their position, you know, whether it's the, the three up fronts, whether it's Van Dyke or whoever, you know. So, um, so Jamie, how do you handle that social media craze? Because I'll be honest, I do not handle it well. <laughs> well, when you're talking about City raising the bar high, let me just say a, thing, a couple of things here. They didn't set it high enough for Sterling in the Champions League, did they? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I knew also, Sterling would be Sterling would show up in the podcast somehow, but okay. <laughs> had to squeeze it in there. Um, but yeah, the, 
the social media world, look, it, it, it's almost uh, we're a problem of our own success. You know, that, that brings a lot of new blood and, and things like that. So it's not a, it's not a bad problem. Look, it, it's a great problem to have lots of new fans. They've got lots of history to learn because we're one of the most historic clubs out there and in Europe as well. Um, and therefore the world, um, you know, it, it says six on our sleeve when we play in Europe for a reason. And it's so every other European country who's watching that game of football can look at that team and go, all right, they mean business. They've done it six times, blah, blah, blah. But um, the social media world for me, it's... Um, it's pick and choose your battles, isn't it? You know, and, and we've been through the ringer enough times to to witness dodgy deadline day signings and Andy Carroll for thirty five million and all the rest. So I, I feel I feel that obviously with Jeannie probably walking out the door and us getting our left back in. You know, Liverpool do their business early in transfer windows most of the time, but we've been known to get some some signings later on as well. So, like you guys were saying, it's weeks into the Premier League we're talking about here. So there's four or five weeks left now of the transfer window. But, you know, everybody just settle, settle in. It's a long haul, you know. They, they, they call it crazy season for for a reason and transfer season this season is no different because well it is it's very different it's <laughs> something we've never seen before you know and the rest of the league didn't seem to get that memo they're all spending like mad but uh, I'm proud of our stance um, it's hard to hard to improve on perfection which we aren't there yet nobody's saying that but we came pretty damn close and the records we broke last year are going to be there for a while. I think it's just a matter of like not getting the complacency in there. I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, having the same team, uh, the players knowing each other and obviously it's a strong group in the locker room and everything as well. Um, so it's just a matter of making sure the complacency is not there. And I don't know, like it's not always bringing in players. You kind of have to put it on, you know, the the existing players themselves to kind of like, you know, set new goals for themselves for one. And then obviously it goes back to Klopp. And that's the thing. I mean, at this point, who doesn't have faith in the, you know, the resolve of this team, number one, and like Klopp's motivation skills and, you know, like team management. So calm the hell down and don't panic because, but I mean, it's almost like, I guess we should expect it. It's just something very difficult to get used to because the same thing happened when we lost the city in the penalties last year, where it was like, you know, doom and gloom. It's the same thing again. We didn't assign any, you know, anybody, we didn't improve the squad, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Mateusz, you were about to say something before we kind of tie this topic. Yeah, there's a, Real quick, there's a video that was posted on YouTube that was going around one of the groups about how um, where Liverpool's money has been going um, because every club has to put out their their finances every year. And this person went in-depth talking about 
where the money's going. And most of it, uh, 60% of it went to wages. And then there was a lot more that went into the new facility at Kirkby. And then so really, pretty much they were left with just about $30 million left in profit, which then they used part of that to sign Costas. So it's not like, you know, there's just, there's expenses that teams have that you can't put aside just to buy in that, that player that you, you so desperately want. You know, what the, it's just, it's, it's a good video. I, I don't know if there's any way to link. Maybe we can link it with the podcast if we post it. Yeah, on when we post Facebook. this podcast, we should definitely embed that because I know I watched the same exact video and kind of you would hope that it explains it to people who kind of yeah. understand where right. the money went. Right. It did a good job of simplifying it for the everyday person who doesn't really quite understand finances of clubs. So, so speaking of finances and money and everything, so this is an interesting topic that we've talked. Actually, we had like Katie on uh, in a podcast, uh, maybe like three, four months ago. And we kind of talked about at the time it was the U.S. Uh, women's team versus the men's team uh, pay rates and stuff like that. So uh, so now Brazil joins the group as Brazil, England, uh, Germany, I think as well, uh, where there I could not find the details because I still feel like there's no way to get equal pay when it comes to prize money. But it almost sounded like the way I read it, especially at least England and Brazil's, uh, it was more about at least equal uh, pay for you know making appearances and being called up and stuff like that. So I mean, what is your guys' take on that? And when the hell do you guys think US will be entering the century on that? Um, I think it's great. Obviously, it's it's taken its time to uh, to recognize that. Although on the on the flip side of that coin, the argument is there for you know if you're playing for your country should you even get paid at all but these are professional athletes in the modern world and they're risking their life and and limbs basically for their country so yeah they should get paid and they should most definitely be be being paid the same um in regards to prize money that'll be a different kettle of fish altogether um it'll be it's good now that the ball's rolling for for you know massive corporations like FIFA and and whoever else wants to get involved with matching men's pays because realistically the the players get paid exorbitant amounts for you know something I'd do for free um and every, <laughs> everybody else is in, in the same boat you know you'd pay to be in these guys um situations and and the women the women's team is gaining the women's game is gaining much more airtime and sponsorships. So the, it was only inevitable that their wage pay was matched and, and it's about time. It's, it's probably 10, 15 years too late. I mean, especially here. I mean, I think if you look at across the board, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, back home or even in Europe, it's not as predominant as here. And I know because it's, I have daughters, who have and actually like my younger one is still is playing soccer and like you know like travel clubs and stuff like that so i'm a lot more involved in it i guess but it's a lot bigger deal here than it is actually in europe and not to mention they're a lot freaking better over here and a lot more successful than the men's team i I, it's just odd and really weird that you know 
uh, U.S. is one of the countries that's still not there, while these other countries like Brazil and stuff, where the men's team obviously is very successful. I mean, they have a great women's team as well, and they've had some like superstars and everything. But I mean, wh where do you put that, Mateusz? I mean, why do you think the U.S. is so hesitant to kind of like catch up to that? I mean, without really going into too much, the U.S. has been pretty behind on a lot of civil issues and a lot of social issues. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know if uh, I feel like sometimes they get too much credit for their progressiveness when you compare it to other countries' progressiveness. I don't think it's really all that progressive. Um, it sounded like a lot of jumble, but I think I think you'll know what I mean. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, and going back off your point, especially – a team that has never made, maybe they've made a quarterfinal. I don't remember, but they have no success whatsoever. So you would think at the very least, the women's team who has won several world cups would at least have enough of a, a, a fair shout at a, at equal pay, if not more at this point, because until the men's team can prove that they're any good, what's the point of them getting more money than a women's team that is proven to compete for the, the for the cup year after or four years after four years. And I don't, you know, I, I mean, there's like ways to play the devil's advocate. I feel like, you know, even without results, because um, then you can say, well, you know, the comparison, you know, like the teams they play against and stuff like that and the funding they get and like, you know, the, uh, the infrastructure they have obviously over here is so much better. Um, and in terms of, you know, like the prize money, like Jamie is saying, I don't know if that will ever change just because obviously the sponsors are more, it's more worldwide. Uh, I mean, there are some countries that, you know, women's soccer doesn't even exist or it's very, very low scale. Um, so, but I still feel like the minimum should be, which sounds like what, you know, Brazil and them have done is, you know, getting the same pay for being called up. And I know, like I said, those advocate would say, a men's player because their contracts are more like Jamie's saying, like Jamie would do it for free, obviously, but uh, you know, like these guys are coming and they're risking injury. Let's say going to the national team and they're putting more at risk in terms of like money income wise, because obviously their contracts are more. So I understand that part of the argument, but even without looking at uh, the success that they've had, I think it's only fair that, you know, like the call-up money or whatever they want to call it should be equal. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, with the success and stuff to boot, they should get more. Uh, obviously, from the tournaments, they don't get as much money. Uh, I remember, like, we covered a lot of figures on that podcast we had with Katie here. Uh, and it, it was pretty obnoxious, I'll admit. Like, you know, the money they got um, for going to the next round after the group stages was more than, you know, the women's team got for the World Cup. And I'm not talking about, wow. like, this is, like, within the U.S. I'm talking this is what <laughs> they get from FIFA. And, yeah. and obviously that makes sense because the FIFA gets that money from the sponsors and the broadcasting and all that kind of stuff. So it all goes hand in hand. I just found find it odd, though, that you have all these countries kind of, like, seeing the disparity and acting on it while it's still like a very big argument over here, you would think it would be a lot smaller. I mean, a lot faster in terms of, you know, making that change. But Matosh was probably right. We kind of like always assume that we're kind of ahead of the game, but not in every scenario. Uh, so speaking of FIFA, 
we have a FIFA tournament going. Uh, actually, as we record this podcast over here, uh, Jordan Gerard, our American Gerard, is doing the draw uh, for like the groups and stuff like that. So we're kind of like starting it out with a, a feeler, small FIFA tournament uh before the fifa 21 comes in so we can have a bigger american scouser cup and stuff like that uh i know mateusz plays and he hates playing me uh jamie do you play fifa as well or you know what um you know i play fifa and i haven't played fifa since <laughs> fifa 19 because you beat my ass so bad that i oh didn't even God. bother to buy fifa 20. This might happen what? to me with FIFA I 21. Then. That, my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm joking. I I didn't buy FIFA 20 because I heard so many of the reviews and it's the same every time. I don't know. I I just wanted to spend my sixty dollars on probably another Liverpool shirt, which my wife. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's going to be spent either way on something. But. Exactly. You know and. It's my birthday around this time of year as well, so it's nice that the league is starting up and uh, I can get myself a new shirt, which is in the mail already. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, FIFA 21, I might have to buy, so we're, we're, we'll see. We'll see about this tournament. Yeah, you're going to have to <laughs> jump on board. I mean, we're going to have you know prizes from our like, American Scouser shop, so it's going to be obviously more LFC related and we're hoping it would be mostly uh, all the Liverpool fans that follow us. Uh, but anybody is welcome as well so that, you know, it's not bad to beat up on a United fan on FIFA. Unless we find out you're a United fan. And yeah. then... <laughs> it's so I'll funny. Just put, I'll just put all win. 11 men behind the ball and defend for my life on the goal line. Hey, if it's a United fan and they win, uh, they get, you know, a uh, void. No one prize. Void. So maybe <laughs> no one void. <laughs> so, yeah, we got that going. And um, obviously, we had the fantasy football kicking in gear. Kind of like league is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, so, Jamie, you're one of the ones leading the uh, charge on that with uh, the other Irish, Chris. Uh, so, uh, where are we at with that? Uh, what's in the works? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's only eight days left of the transfer. Well, of the uh, of your first week transfer season. Um, obviously, you get a free transfer every week, but um, you've got eight days to get your team sorted out and get in the league uh, to guarantee yourself those first game week points. Um, there's also a lot of little uh, helpful hints and stuff. Obviously, you guys had your podcast there with Ola. Um, our winner from last year, uh, which was a great listen because the man knows his stuff. He didn't uh, he didn't fluke his way to the top. He was there pretty much all season um, with a team named Trendsetters. You gotta love that. <laughs> but um, yeah, apparently a few new things I've heard just uh, by perusing the uh, the app. Apparently, if you can photo scan your new shirt with your badge and it'll give you additional information. So I, I'll be very interested to see that when I get my new shirt. I should do that right and now. Matush <laughs> is right here wearing his. <laughs> we just we might just lose Matush off the podcast over here. He's like exactly. studying it right now. Um, but also, you know, there, there's there's other little helpful hints that will uh, spread throughout the season to to get anybody with uh, who's still pretty new to it. We'll, we'll get you. We'll get you seasoned veteran by the end of the season yeah i mean we got a lot going on and then we have 
I mean, aside from all this like tournament stuff that's happening that we kind of do on the side for fun, really, uh, just to keep the community going and, you know, more interaction amongst us and amongst like our followers. Uh, we also have a bunch coming up with the, like the season kicking in. I mean, already with the youth team kicking in, I know like Mateusz and Parker, those guys are like following the youth teams very closely because I almost feel like that's something that we do not hear much of. I mean, there are these young guys that we sign. I mean, we signed a couple over the summer. And I know it's hard to kind of get excited about some of these young kids because, you know, they're great and then you never hear from them again. But I think it's also, you know, nice to be able to see the progress and see what they're doing, you know, how they're playing, who's scoring, how they perform and stuff like that. Uh, and also Kelly is going to be following the women's team so we can get more information on that. I almost feel like sometimes maybe we'll get these people to like kind of like stop whining about not spending money and kind of like follow and support uh, other Liverpool teams, whether it's the youth team and the women's team and stuff. Matej, you're with the uh, the youth uh, team yeah. group and stuff like that. A lot happening on that front, obviously, with all these new signings. Yeah, it, there's a lot of excitement coming in right now. Um, they had they signed Mateusz Muszalowski from uh, Weka Swooch in Poland, and then they, hmm, they bring you sound it. extremely excited about that for some. Odd yeah, that one. That one. Really excited off your for. tongue for some reason. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 16 year old from Poland um, scored a, over 100 goals in 60 wow. appearances, um, and they also brought in Melkamu Fraundorf, a uh, 15 year old German. And so far, it's been a wonderful preseason. The only problems coming from the preseason right now is just pretty much um, setting the setting matches up because you don't really hear about anything until they the day of when they play because it almost feels like they're just randomly waiting for some team to show up and then like okay they're here let's play them. <laughs> so yeah, I mean maybe that's how it is because they've uh, they beat Crew five nil, they beat Huddersfield Town five nil, they beat Leicester City's youth four one the other day. So they're they're on a tear. I, I will say it's it's been exciting to 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 follow them because there's a lot of um, a lot of good prospects coming through. And I think it, like you said, if people kind of see where the money is invested in, aside from just the men's team, because there's the money going to the women's team and there's money going to the youth, um, especially with the with the new facilities at Kirkby, that's that's where the youth is playing right now. Like it's um, it's really important to to see that there's a lot going on at every level, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a couple guys get at least some maybe first team exposure, uh, whether it's in the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup, um, just like last year when you know they had to throw that 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 silly team against uh, against Everton up there. Um, but uh, you know it's it's exciting to watch, and there's there's some good names to look out for. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool to see these guys from, you know, like these 15, 16-year-olds. Some of them, yeah, we may never hear from them again. Uh, but, I mean, look at Trent, uh, look at Curtis. Uh, I mean, before you know what, these guys could make it there and you, we will have seen it like coming through across. Because really, we kind of, up until now, as closely as we follow the team, especially over here in the U.S., it's really hard to get this information and to be able to follow up on the U teams and stuff like that. So I think it'll be great to be able to kind of keep tabs on them. Usually we do not find out till you know, they're in the 18 or they play in a, you know, like a League Cup game or something like that. So, uh, so gentlemen, uh, before we wrap things up over here, any other thoughts to add as we go into another weekend of uh, international games, apart from Poland playing tomorrow? I know that's big. But. Yeah, I think uh, a, a good um, 
a good little point here for for our American audience here because it was uh, a program aired on UK television on last Sunday, uh, Sunday evening, primetime viewing, and it's an hour and a half long. That's 90 minutes long, in case anybody doesn't understand my accent. One hour and a half. I was like, <laughs> why did you have to divide up that math? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's a great documentary. It's called The 30-Year Wait. And it's all about Liverpool. Um, really great documentary. It's got the likes of Roy Evans, Jared Houllier, Rafa, Brendan Rodgers, um, and of course Klopp. But uh, really emotional. It's got um, one of the uh, James Aspinall's mother. James Aspinall was a kid who died at Hillsborough and his mother, Margaret Aspinall, was on the documentary as well. It's, it's very emotional, but very good, very open. And, and uh, it's an hour and a half long. It could easily be three hours long. It's, uh, it's that good. Um, we could, I, I could gladly watch it for longer. But uh, if you can, check it out. I'm sure there's links out there somewhere. But like I said, really good way. All about Liverpool's history and, and, and eventually winning the 30-year winning the wait. Mateusz, any parting thoughts apart from some prayers for the Polish team tomorrow? That's about it. No, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all. That's that's all that I have for today. <laughs> Did you well, scan your badge, by the way? No, because I couldn't find the option on the on the on the app. I don't know. Oh, if I'm I'll have to. Online. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to Google and see how it works. We're gonna well, have we've got better. a retractment to make from last week's pod. I was wrong. The uh, community shield has been won, and. Continuing that, followed to win the league the, the same year. Uh, United done it in 2010 and City done it in 14 or whatever it was. It did sound like an odd stat you threw out there at the time. But hey, you know, everybody bought it, including ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I was right in 2010. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you say. It's how confidently you say it. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we bought it. We, we thought you knew what you were talking about. We probably should have known better. But <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Um, and thank you all for listening. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we will definitely be posting more information in the next few days about all the tournaments as we get ready for the season. And we'll meet again early next week. And hopefully we'll be talking about getting ready for a real game. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thank you again, gentlemen. And we'll never walk along. Up the reds, lads. Oh.